Welcome to Write or Die. I am here today with Marco Shiro. He is the author of the upcoming Anger is a Gift from Tortine. It's coming on May 22nd. Hi, Mark. How are you? I'm wonderful and so excited to be on Write or Die. Yay! I'm so happy that you're here. Um, so, okay, I know you from Mark Does Stuff, um, as I'm sure a lot of people who are listening do, but you also have a very interesting journey of how you got um, into publishing. And if you could just share with us how how it was for you jumping into the queer trenches, how did you get your agent, how did that whole thing come about? Uh, a lot of falling, literal metaphorical. Um, so, you know, this has been such a weird journey. Um, I had a a school visit, my very first school visit as an author today. And the very first question that was asked after we were, you know, me and a couple authors were done reading was some guy like, was like, how long did it take y'all to write those books? And we all kind of groaned because, you know, it's, it's, (laughs) there's this misconception that you write a book and then as soon as you finish it, you give it to someone and then like right. a few months later, it's out. But it's right. such a long collaborative process. So I was like, oh, well, I started writing this book in 2012. <laughs> the guy was like, what? Like, what? Record scratch. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, and, and, you know, another person there, uh, it had started theirs in 2013. Um, and so they were like, how, why? Like, why does it take so long? And so, you know, I had started this, you know, whole marked stuff project. And that was my, it went from being a hobby to like my full-time job. Um, and when I finally got a, like a, an idea that I thought was good enough for a novel, um, you know, it took, it was two and a half year, almost two and a half years from when I first started plotting the book out to when I first attempted getting an agent. The initial part was just wow. writing. Um, first draft took a year. Um, and that, but part of that was because I, I, I was so busy touring, promoting myself, you know, I, right. uh, been self-publishing these nonfiction books of my work. And, um, I was, I would just have to find these little slivers of time. Um, I, I would say the vast majority of my book was written on an airplane or on a train while I was traveling <laughs> to conventions and, and my own events. So I didn't get to the query part until 2015. That's really good, though, because I feel like a lot of authors rush into querying because it seems like it seems like it's going to be fun, but it's not. It's not. It's not. <laughs> you know, and it. I think that's why I'm so glad you're doing this podcast is because there's so many myths and misconceptions about how this process actually looks. And I didn't know. I just knew. Fr- I had some friends who were authors, but. I didn't know them before they were authors. Like I, I didn't have very many friends who had transitioned from not an author to an author. So I didn't know right. what that process looked like. I just knew what mm-hmm. some of the steps were, but yeah. So when I finally, you know, felt that my draft was strong enough to send out to people, I had been keeping a list of, you know, agents I had met or who would, who would, you know, express like vague interest in one day looking at my stuff. I had done research right. on like, which, you know, which agents, uh, you know, represent, young adult authors and which agents are working with these authors that I, whose work I really enjoy. And, um, and so once I organized like my plan of attack, um, you know, that's when, I, yeah. So, but yeah, I didn't query until I was like, okay, I have it all, all set up and then I'm going to go. Um, and I think part of that was just because I, I thought I, it would cause me more anxiety than it already was. If I just sort of jumped in and was like, let me just do this willy nilly. Right. Right. 
So you had self-published before you decided to query um, your novel, correct? Mm -hmm. So what made you decide to like want to go the traditional route this time as opposed to um, self-publishing? Like what made you make that choice? Because we, I get a lot of questions about that from authors who are starting out right. because they get encouraged like, oh, just self-publish, you know, as if it's like really easy. Oh. So, oh. Um, <laughs> so yeah. As someone, okay. So, so as someone who self-published, oh my God, seven, eight, Over thirteen, and and I should say self-published. Uh, they were nonfiction books of like literary criticism, um, you know that like that that sort of thing, um, where I was taking things I had already written and compiled them in collections and editing right. them so that they would make more sense in a book versus internet, which meant sometimes having to take gifts out because we don't live in Harry <laughs> Potter, so it didn't work. But I, I'm proud of my self-publishing journey, and I'm glad I did it. I didn't know nonfiction. Okay. I didn't know nonfiction agents. I didn't know how to navigate that world. And, you know, when I started doing self-publishing, part of it was also I had just gotten laid off from a job and I was trying to figure out how can I keep doing this thing that I love and not necessarily have to go out and get another nine to five job on top of it. And so the thing with self-publishing is, is you can see more immediate effects of it because the process is not as long, but you have to do almost all of it yourself or hire people immediately. So all the investment is right at the beginning. So there's no advance. You're not getting any money from any publisher to then help you deal with the act of writing and editing and, and like maybe having to set up your own events. So I had to like invest in a cover artist and a different one for the physical books than from the digital books. I had a group of volunteer editors that I had to like vet um, and assign portions of these manuscripts to edit. Um, when it came to booking events, I had to do, you know, some of it was like, you know, sort of like with my fan base, you know, like, like right. asking them like, Hey, where are venues that might be a good fit for me? But like, I still had to like contact a lot of them and call a lot of them and set up the events and then try to explain what it is that I do, which really what it came down to is they were like, can you get people to show up? And I was like, yes. They're like, we don't really care what you're doing, but you know, it's so, <laughs> it's so much work. Um, I would take three to four months for me to just get one manuscript edited and, and with all the images and, and it, it was successful. I'm glad I learned a lot about marketing. I learned a lot about, you know, pitching yourself constantly, how to promote yourself in person, how to promote yourself on events. And, and so I have all this knowledge that, and wisdom that I'm really happy about. But when I, w you know, finished writing this book, I was like, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm old and tired. I can't do this anymore. Uh, and I was like, I really want someone else to be part of this process. And and that and from the beginning, I, I wanted an agent to help me navigate publishing because I knew some editors and I knew a lot of authors, but I didn't know how to navigate any of that stuff. I didn't know like proposals and and pitches and, and yeah, it's a lot. And it's so much contracts. Oh, no. like, I didn't know any of that stuff. So I was like, I want to yeah. go the traditional route. And, and, and for an even cheesier reason is I just, I wanted to see my book in a store. Um, you know, right. when you self publish, it's very, very hard to get your book into a store. I was mostly selling them, you know, by hand or online. 
Um, you know, so I, I wanted that experience. So that's why I decided to go with the traditional publishing route. That makes sense to me. Yeah. And self-publishing is so challenging. Like, yeah, hitting enter on the website is easy, but then it's everything that comes after that and everything that is right before that moment as well. That's difficult, you know, and I I don't think people uh, see that side of it so much. They're just like, oh, I don't have to get an agent or do all this stuff, but there's still so much work involved. I think also Amazon publishing was not as big when I was doing this in 2011, 2012, 2013 as it is now because I can sit, right. you know, like that is something that wasn't available as easily. You know, it wasn't as easy to get an ISBN. It wasn't as easy to get your, your stuff listed on Amazon very quickly, you know? And so there are people who are getting enormous amounts of success, success through Amazon and they cut out the middleman. So they're also making more money. But I, you know, I was like, I'm, that wasn't like, it just wasn't a feasible option for me. So, so you decided to start querying. So take us through that journey now. And you said there was a lot of falling was, involved. So <laughs> imagine a room full of knives and you just throw yourself. No. Um, it wasn't that violent. You know, it's querying's weird because, you know, I, I had met um, a few agents before I started querying. Uh, I had been recommended like, oh, you should, you should query this agent or sometimes by an author would be like, just query my agent. I put in a good word. So so, I felt like I had a good foot in the door. Um, and I didn't, I didn't really prepare myself mentally at least for what was going to happen. But you know, the way I, I attacked it is I organized a list, you know, and I put people who I thought were a good fit for me at the top of the list. And basically, you know, it was sort of like I, I ranked agents and was like, here's here are my like ideal five agents. If I could land with one of these five, this will be great. And then maybe ones where it was like, oh, they rep a lot of good clients. I don't know if they're a good fit because I don't really know them. I've, I've never met them, but I think it's still worth, you know, worth it to try. Um, and I spread it out so that I, I wasn't like overwhelmed with like trying to query 30, 40 agents at once kind of thing. So I limited myself and I would just do five a week and I would spend, you know, like during the week finalizing each of these queries, making sure that I fit all of the, you know, the, um, what is it? The qualification submission guidelines, submission guidelines. See, I don't even know. Yeah. (laughs) But everyone has different guidelines. So I wanted to make sure that I was following the rules for each of them. So that was another reason why I didn't just like do it all as a batch. I just wanted to make sure I got it right. Um, and, you know, I do like about five a week and then the next week start over again. Um, and it would, took about a month until I started getting responses back from it. So I was like deep in the trenches of querying um, before I started getting anything back. Um, and I mostly got rejections. I say mostly. Oh, no. I literally got nothing but rejections uh, in the initial period in 2015. Were they form rejections? Were you getting any sort of feedback or um, – the majority of them were form rejections, which, you know, that at least that I was, you know, I knew that that was a thing. It wasn't surprising to me. So I was like, okay, that at least someone read some part of it. Um, what little feedback I got was like, you're great. This is great. I don't think I'm the right person for it with no other explanation of why they weren't the right person for it. But that, you know, and I'm like, okay, at least that's a little, you know, it'd be like three or four sentences outside of a form letter. So I'd be like, okay, that's a good sign. But no, no other feedback at all. So I just kept going. 
all through the summer. So towards the end of the summer, uh, I had a person uh, who was a fan of mine who was an, an intern at an agency in New York. Um, and so okay. my partner and I had a trip that we were in, that was in Manhattan for a week, and it just turned out timing wise it was perfect. And so basically, this agency took me and my partner out to lunch at this like super swanky restaurant. Oh my God. In, it's so exciting. Yeah, in Union Square. Um, and that summer, I had attempted to move to New York, and it had kind of fallen through, and I, it was still something I wanted to do. So I'm in New York, and I'm like, okay, this is where I want to live. This is where publishing is happening. Oh, my God, I'm at this cafe. There's that famous Instagram model over there. Like, it was just like <laughs> very whirlwind. I can't believe this is happening. Had this amazing lunch with these two agents who were kind and receptive, and they knew who I was, and they had looked at my work. Um, so they weren't bullshitting. Like they had done their own end of the homework of, you know, looking at what I was doing. And so at that point, like I had gotten enough rejections that I was like, you know what, I'm going to do one more round of revising, like just one more. And I think that'll be great. And then I'll do, you know, querying round two. So at that point I'd been like 25, I think I'd sent out 25 queries. I'd been rejected about 12 to 15 of them, almost so more than half, but like all, I still had some outstanding, so I had this great lunch and they're like, okay, as soon as you're done with this, send it, the whole thing to us. You don't even need to send a sample. Just send us the whole thing. Um, so I'm, you know, I remember coming home from that trip, you know, like <laughs> I remember being on the flight home and my boyfriend turned to me and he was just like, you did it. You did that. And I was like, you know, Aww. like we were so excited because that's, of course, yeah, no, I got no response like that from anyone else. So, you know, later, uh, you know, didn't take that long, a few weeks to maybe it was like a month and a half after I'd have to look at the dates. But when I finished it, I was so excited and sent it off to them. They immediately replied and were like, Oh my God, we're so excited diving into this now. Um, let's, you know what? Let's get real specific here. I'm actually going to look, uh, cause I remember the name of the agent. I'm not going to put them on blast on your podcast and get your, Contact, get it canceled. Immediately. <laughs> oh, God, this is much earlier than I thought. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, so June 13th. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. So that makes it two, a little over two. Oh, God. Basically, the point is I've never heard anything from them since. <laughs> Zero oh things. God. Nothing. So basically, you got ghosted. I got ghosted. By I mean, part of it was, and now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think it was like a month. Like it was quite a while before I sent it back to them. They had checked in a few times, but they seemed so excited. And diving in now, I was like, all right. So I didn't hear anything back, and became immediately dejected and depressed, and was like, oh my god. Aww. You know, it was like this whole like, is my book so bad that they were like, let's never talk to this person again. Like, was I the joke around me? You know, like, and I have anxiety. Yeah. So, like, my brain just went to the darkest, weirdest to place. The, right, to the worst. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, they're probably printing out sentences and, like, blowing them up to size 87 font. And po- oh, no. Which, but no, no one's doing that. Yeah. Logistically, <laughs> also that. doesn't make any sense and is a huge waste of paper. But, you know, like, my brain is like, that's definitely what they're doing. And so I didn't write anything for, like, a solid month after that. I didn't edit anything. Um, I just never heard anything back. And so, um, you know, I, 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 I got over it. 
and decided to keep going. I'm going to continue to, you know, like make my best attempt at this. And so, uh, I started again round two. Um, and that time I, I, I met a few new agents who were in my first round, a lot of whom I did. I participated in a, a like route pitch contest, not a contest. It was like, it was at a convention that I was at in the summer of 2016. And it was okay. like this thing where it was like a round table. That's the word where you're like in front of an agent for like five minutes and I'd signed up. Like speed querying yeah. kind speed of? Speed querying where you query them in person. Um, and I w- sat with five agents and all five of them were like, send me the whole thing. Oh my and God. And I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, so question, question yeah. for you. So did you, between the ghosting agents and when you jumped right back in, did you revise again or did you sort of just let it marinate? What did you do? In that in between no time. Revision. But at that point, I thought I thought the story was solid enough. I couldn't, you know, I'd been in this story for three, God, almost four years at that point. And without like an outside editorial voice, like my friends had read it, but none of them were editors. I don't think right. any of us could get it past where it was. And I was getting no feedback from anyone at all. So I, I had done a little, you know, changing a few things here, maybe add a scene here, take out the scene, make it a little shorter over here, but no, not anything super serious. So yeah. So that summer, um, I queried two of those agents and then I had met, um, a different agent earlier in the year. Um, and now I can finally name this person because this is the positive part of the story. Um, I had met an agent at a convention in Detroit, Michigan called Confusion. Um, And his name is Dong Wong Song. And I was introduced to him by my friend Miriam Weinberg, um, who I've known for many years through the science fiction fantasy community. And, um, you know, we had talked a few times and he was like, hey, if you ever have something for me or something that's ready, you know, send it over. So that summer in, I believe it was June or July of 2016, I sent two of the agents that I queried, you know, my, my manuscript, and I had sent Dong one And got, God, I got rejected by one of those agents, like, within a week, which I was like, respect. That was so fast. I spent, yeah. like, and they wrote not, like, a ton of feedback, but they were just like, this voice is, like, there's something missing in the voice. Like, I just, it's not right yet. Um Okay. But they weren't like, it's awful or whatever. But I like really appreciated that because that was the most feedback I'd gotten at that point. So I was like, right, right. okay, it's the voice. All right, that's something. Um, and then I got um, a very casual, uh, what's called an R&R, a rewrite and resubmit from Dong Wan. And he sent me a lot of feedback and was like, mm. oh my God, I have been looking for someone to write, you know, a young adult novel about what's going on in the world. Like I want specifically concerning police brutality and, and how that affects, you know, people in, or teenagers and, and how it affects high schools, especially in areas where this is something that they have to deal with all the time. And, you know, so he, and this is the thing, Don, this is what he does. He always fronts loads with all of this wonderful critique. And he <laughs> slips in the dagger. Yeah. The dagger, but the dagger was there and his dagger, like completely threw me for loop because he more or less said, you have written this super great character with amazing voice who is talking about things that we need to talk about. And I see almost none of 
at this point in young adult fiction, and you also wrote a science fiction book. And you were mm-hmm. kind of trying to fit this young adult contemporary book inside the science fiction one. And his advice was, pick one of them and send that book to me. Okay, that's hard to hear. I can imagine that was sort of a blow at that point. I laid horizontally for like a <laughs> solid hour. Uh, and you know what? I even, even now thinking that, I, like I literally had like as close to a panic attack as I could have. But it was right. because I knew deep down that he was 100% right. And it was that thing right, of like you yeah. feel like, oh, how you – you know, like you like – you'll see – like a horoscope on the internet and you'll be like, mm-hmm. wow, just at me next time. Like just, yeah. just I was like, God, called out. how did he see that? And no one else had given me anything. Like, you know, some of the other agents who had rejected me, I think like had little inklings of that, but it was the first like super solid, this is what you need to do. This is what you're missing. So of course I denied it. It was like in denial for like a while, um, like a week. And then just as an experiment, I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take this outline that I wrote for this first book of a science fiction young adult trilogy, and I'm going to write an outline to see if it works as a standalone contemporary. And I'm not even kidding you. I wrote, rewrote that outline in one day and was like, oh, this motherfucker was exactly correct. And the story <laughs> flowed out of me, and I, I was like, oh, if I get to strip all of this stuff away, I get to focus on this one character and I went from three point of views to one. I took out all of the science fiction and had to like create – and the entire last third of the book was impossible. It was all science fiction, heavy, heavy science fiction. So I had to think of a new ending, and I, I, it just came to me pretty much immediately. And uh, this was like July, August of 2016, and I rewrote that book in three months. Wow. Rewriting about 80% of it. That's so – that's so fast. Super fast. <laughs> but it was this thing of like every – like I kept making – like had to make all these new decisions and, and I had to cut entire characters and take them entirely out of the manuscript. And But every time I was doing it, I wasn't sad. I was like – it was like, you know, like an expert surgery. It was, it was, you know, taking this, you know, kind of bloated, meaty story and just refining it further and further down until I realized like it really just had to be about this one kid – uh, yeah, and I I, remember I finished it on a trip to New York because I was at, made an appearance at Book Riot Live, and it was like two days before my appearance at Book Riot, and I was in a cafe in uh, Tribeca, and I finished it, and then immediately burst into tears because I was like, Aww. like I was just so happy with it, and it was so different. Yeah, of and, course. And but that's so scary, like changing genre. That is so scary. It's always really, I feel like it's always really scary when an agent gives you like a huge overhaul and when you realize that they're right. And it's so funny that you said you laid horizontally for like an hour because (laughs) the same thing happened to me when I was like, I got a bunch of agent offers and Susie, who's my agent now, um, she gave me this like the, these huge notes and she's like, you know, I, I really want to work with you, but I think this needs to change. And I was like, oh, my God, like she is so right. <laughs> and it was it, like it hit me. It was the same thing. It was like I need to make these huge changes yeah. and like overhaul this story that I've been living with for so long. Um, 
but she got it, you know? So I, I can relate so much to that moment. And I think those are like the hard decisions that you sometimes have to make in order to succeed. Right. Because it's a lot easier to just be like, oh, I'll wait for an agent who like doesn't want me to make these big changes and who like will just accept the story for what it right. is. And and you might find that person, but usually it's because they don't know what they're doing. So that's so cool. And also your agent is like one of my favorite people ever. Oh, he's amazing. He is so great. He actually... Because of his notes on my book, like, he helped me to change the book into, like, something that was, like, worth querying. Yeah, he's... And it, he, he, he he walks the walk, basically. He's not just all talk. He's really there for authors. And I think it's so good that you guys found each other. That's amazing. It's funny because uh, um, your agent is Susie Townsend, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. So she was one of the people at the roundtable. That I was at. I never got to her <laughs> so query funny. because fucking Dong Wan, but she was one of those five who was like, That's oh my God. So and funny. she was like, I think what was so cool about Suzy too was, you know, when someone's actually paying attention. And that mm-hmm. was what was so striking about her is that she was like listening, listening to my pitch, talking to me through it. We went over time uh, because we were like just geeking out about this. And I was like, you know, the original pitch for this book was I wanted to write a dystopian fiction novel or no dystopian fiction series, but talk about who in the world would actually notice a dystopian universe was forming. And I was like, it would be queer, poor, brown and black kids. That's who it is. You know, I was like, I want to write this big epic about all of the people that are missing in YA dystopian fiction. Uh, And we were just like on the same wavelength. And if it wasn't for Dong Wan, like she would have been, she was literally the, like the, I, I queried the first two, uh, and she was number. I think she was because I did the first two, Dong Wan, and then uh, she was number four, and it just never happened. I never sent her anything. But, nah! <laughs> but it, she's she's listening to this ah! right now, and like, <laughs> like yeah, you canceled Mark. Um, but like, no, I'm sure she's super happy for you. It's, I, I think this 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 can be so intimidating. And it's so fucking great to meet someone who is genuine and who like seems genuinely interested in you, uh, you know, and is like, like also willing to ask like important questions and be like, well, what are you thinking about this? Like, well, you know, because she was the first one who asked me, what if you don't sell a second book? What if you get only a one book deal? Have you thought about Mm -hmm. how you're going to write this book? You know, it's not it's not easy to sell a trilogy as a debut author. And I was like. You know, I had that moment of like, huh, what? Huh? <laughs> but like, of course I've thought about it. <laughs> I had kind of thought about it. But I was like, I think it's strong enough that it'll make a series. But if not, I love editing and and yeah. love figuring out, you know, I, for me, editing is a writing prompt. It's here's the story. Mm-hmm. Now here's the twist. And the twist might be <laughs> finish this in one book, fucker. Like, you know, like that might be twist, <laughs> but I love Luceli Luna is used to ghosts. You kind of have to be when you live in a house haunted by the spirits of your dead loved ones. When Luceli tries to help her father's failing ghost tour business, she opens the gates to, you know, the place down there, and now she has to protect her family before evil spirits take over her town and drag everyone she loves into the underworld. Follow Clarabelle on Twitter at Clarabelle underscore Ortega and at Ghost Squad on Goodreads today.
that's what I love working against is being actually given, you know, a restraint on a story, but then figuring out a way around it or, or incorporating it. So, um, you know, that was something that was always very striking about that conversation. So. That's so funny that she was one of the agents. That's really yeah, I, funny. Well, and yeah, it's such a small world. Publishing is such a small world. And like you always like will have stories about different people. Um, it's funny too, because when I did DV Pit, which is actually how I signed with um, with Susie. Well, not for that, because I have – Susie is my second agent that I've ever had. When I signed with my first agent and I did DV Pit, Dong Wang actually emailed me. And he was like, your pitch is so good. I'm so excited for you. Like, he's so supportive. Like, who does that? Nobody does that. Like, now I'm, he's just, we're so, talking about he's just so and great. And I feel bad that I torture him by Googling eye, putting googly eyes on anything whenever I'm around him. <laughs> I literally not even carry, I'm not even kidding you. I carry a set of googly eyes in any bag that I have because I don't know when I'm going to run into him. And I'm like, I really should stop doing this because he's so nice and so great. Oh, but that's really funny. I don't think you no, should stop. stop. You're going to listen to this on one. Never. You live in the it's, same it's metro area as me now. Just wait. Just a, a, But, you know. He he should make you a little wooden box for your googly eyes. <laughs> oh, God. It's feeding into my terrible, terrible behavior. Um, So do you know the super ridiculous story of how I signed with Dongwon and got a publishing deal? I don't, but I really want to know. So you have to, so, I mean, that's the thing that's been so, uh, I guess, surreal for me and why none of this, even now, none of it feels real is that I got rejected by so many agents. This book took years to write. Um, you know, in, in, so this is, this actually happened in January, 2017. So at that point we're at four, almost four and a half years and I ha- don't have an agent. I don't really feel like I'm close enough. Uh, I feel like with the rewrite, I was like, man, I think this book is strong enough. I think this is it. I think I found the thing I was supposed to write. So I was at it. I was at a guest of honor at the very same convention where I had met him. It's called confusion. It's a, it's a great, like literary sci-fi fantasy convention in Detroit. I was a guest of honor there and uh, they gave me an hour reading slot and I was like, okay, I'm going to read the, the, the first two chapters of this book. Um, and the lovely E.K. Johnston was at the convention um, and I'd been following them online um, and I know that they had followed some of the Mark Reed stuff um, for like Tamara Pierce and some other things and uh, it was she was just so casually sitting in the audience and I'm sitting there and I'm just like, oh, it pays off. Like, it's so cool. <laughs> So I, I do my I do my reading. This is the first time I am reading them, like the chapters without any science fiction. So I was super nervous. And so afterwards, she comes up and she was like, "My God, that's so great." Um, so one of my editor friends, I was texting them during your whole reading, uh, and he wants your book like right now. Oh, and I was like, "What?" Oh my God! <laughs> and she was like, "You know, like he's like interested. Like I, you know, I, we should talk more about this. Like I think." You have something, like, bubble, and I had to run, so I was like, oh, yeah, cool, I'll talk to you later. Um, <laughs> and then, like, I had a signing not long after that, and, you know, and she came up and, and explained it to me and then gave me this editor's email, was like, you should read, reach out to them. So, uh, and I was sitting next to my friend, Amal, um, and was like, hi, hi, this just happened. And she, we both freaked out for a moment, and she was like, that never <laughs> happens. Like, so I was like, what do, what do I do? And she was like, well... 
she's like, do you, you do have an agent, right? And I was like, no, I still don't have one. And she was like, well, you should talk to my agent. And I was like, Who, who's that agent? She's like, Dong Wan. And I was like, oh, that's right. He, oh, here. my gosh. So I literally went into the bar where he was chatting with people. And I was like, hey, do you have time to chat? And he was like, yeah, I have some time, like, maybe tomorrow morning. bro. And I was like, oh, no, we need to talk, like, right now. Something happened? Like, he, he was like, okay. So we went, in, like, to this shadowy corner of the hotel. And I told him what happened. I was like, what? So what, what should I do? And he just kind of looked at me and he blinked and he goes, you, you send him the fucking book. What do you mean? Like, <laughs> you don't get editors directly asking you for things. But then he stopped and was like, no, 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 hold on. Don't send him the book. It was ALA midwinter weekend. So he was like, he's no, no yeah. editor is going to read a manuscript this weekend. So, like, yeah. uh, I know you've sent it because I like three days before this convention, I had sent him the new one and was like, hey, if you get a chance, I – I took your advice and rewrote the book and it's now way contemporary and it's very different. If you want to give it a chance, you know, like, you know, cause at that point I was like, I wanted him to read it. And then I had like some other agents that I was going to query who were in the right. like YA camp. And so, um, uh, he was like, yeah, I'll read it on my fight home. Um, and so the convention goes on Sunday night. It's like 11 PM. I'm staying up super late because the convention has ended and the people, the stragglers, those of us who were flying out on Monday, were just staying up and just shooting the shit. And um, I hadn't been looking at my phone and I have an email from Dong Wan. And oh, my God. It literally was. I, like, can't breathe right now. <laughs> like, he said. To them, like, you, <laughs> all his email said was, you just made me ugly cry on this plane. Oh, my God. And I call you tomorrow. Or, like, let's let's talk tomorrow. So here's the thing. We're dancing around this. Um, I have really, I do have really, really bad anxiety. And the thing that triggers anxiety for me is anything that's unknown. So I'm a very like yes. type oh, A. God. I oh, need God. to know everything. Just tell me now and let me get it over. Like, I don't like, you know, like this is a conversation I had with my boyfriend where I was like, if you, you can never do the like, Hey, we need to talk. I was like, you need to give uh -huh. me a one yeah. sentence summary. And if you can't talk, <laughs> that's fine. But you need to tell me what it is. You can't do this shit. So, you know, like, we have to be very direct. <laughs> he, Don Juan doesn't know this shit. I <laughs> did not sleep that night because my brain oh, came up with all these bizarre scenarios of, like, he hated the book so much he's going to yell at you on the phone tomorrow. So the next morning. He cried because it was so bad. <laughs> so bad. Like, who would email that shit? So next morning, like, I'm sitting up in bed reading. And, you know, Baze wakes up and he's all dreamy and he's like, oh, hi, how are you? Good morning. Are you excited? And I was like, I haven't slept all night. And he was like, what? And I was like, I, I couldn't sleep. I'm so nervous. He was like, why? And I was like, and, you know, I was like, because the email. And he was like, the, it, why is it making you nervous? Like, it's a good thing. I was like, but what if he hates it? And, he was, and I explained, like, then I walk him through the logic. And at the end of it, he was just like, uh, what is wrong with you? Like, Egypt would ever email that and be like, oh, I hated your book so much you made me cry. Like, who would do that? And I was like, oh, I guess that makes sense. Maybe I should have woken you up and talked to you about this. It was like, you're an adult. This is terrible. So I was at the airport. Oh, so Our flight had been delayed a few hours. I'm, I'm, I told, you know, I texted Dong Wan and was like, yeah, I'm, uh, once I get back to security, I'll, I'll give you a call. So I'm in the terminal and I give him a call and oh, now I'm getting emotional. And he was just like, Aww. I loved this book so much. It's so different, but you like found this kid's voice and it's so singularly his story. 
and he's like, I the, the, he's like, I just blew through the entire last third of it because it was all new, and he's like, it's so raw and not at all what I was expecting, and you know, and he was like, I. I would, you know, I really want to represent you for this book, you know, and I'm like, oh my god, I, was, I love yeah. this story so much. He doesn't know. He's gonna hear it. Now. I, I was full on crying in the airport and just like, oh. you know, but on the phone I was like, yes, this is very professional. I am doing. Professional. <laughs> I was like, tears were like streaming down my face. Because by the way, being a brown dude with a beard in an airport. With tears streaming up your face, like it's not a good look. Everyone was staring at me and not in a good way. So, oh, no. you know, oh, I was jerks. like, he was like, if you have other agents you're talking to, if you, you know, like uh, we can, I can give you like 48 hours if you want to make a decision and whatnot. And I was like, I literally was like, fuck that. I already know. Yes, I would absolutely. I was like, you're my number one oh. at this point. Like, I, you're my dream agent I want to work with. And so we, you know, like had to like, like nervous laughter because I was just so happy that I was like, uh, wait, what do we do now? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. like, I want to send this book out as soon as possible. This was our timeline. He's like, I'm going to get off the phone now. I'm going to edit your entire book before you get on your plane. You need to edit it and send it back to me by the time you land. Cause he's like, I don't want to wait on this. Like, this is so timely. We need to get this out now. Um, and you have to, I mean, at that point, oh my, like, my the hate you give hadn't even come out. So like, it was like this thing of like, like the, this sense of urgency to it because, you know, there's, you know, how it went down, all American boys, but there weren't a ton of police brutality focused young adult novels. So like, right. I don't want to wait on this. And so I got off the phone, like just burst into tears. It was so happy. <laughs> uh, and then Sean King walked by the activist. It was very weird. Oh, I don't know why. my God. There's no actual relevance to the story, but. <laughs> that's kind of, that's kind of like a weird coincidence though. Also in that moment. So he, you know, like a, an hour or two, cause we had fucking waiting forever for this fight. We're waiting and waiting and waiting. He sends back edits. I edit my book on a five and a half hour flight. The whole thing. Um, you know, he's like, change this, do this, this blah, blah, blah. And he, the other thing he gave me, he said, by the time your flight lands in L.A., you have to think of a new title. I hate this one. We can't go with this title. The book used to be called An Insidious Thing, uh, which was a, okay. it, it was a line that one of the characters, it's actually still in the book, um, but he was just like, it's too vague. I need something better. Um, and mm. I pitched him the title. I think I pitched him like three or four titles, but one of them was like very clear. I was like, this is the one I want. Um, and it's a reference to a Rage Against the Machine song. Uh, but I was like, I would love if this was called Anger is a Gift. And he was like, all right. I love that title. I, so good. I love it too. Especially because like, as people of color, as queer people, like we are told that our anger is a bad quality of us. So right. much respectability politics wrapped in it. And the book is really about rejecting respectability politics and saying that being angry is a good thing. And like using that anger for you know as a force of social change is a good thing it's not a bad thing and so you know we picked a new title he we wrote a pitch real quickly um and so we spent like all of tuesday so yeah all of tuesday would just like write the pitch figure out who we're going to submit to make sure you have all, you know i had to get all my social media information all of this stuff and then that wednesday you know in the morning he sent the book out to like 13 different editors. Um, 
And as sort of like a, a not really a joke, but like it, we didn't expect anything of it. One of them was to Miriam Weinberg, who I had been with right. and met for a long time. But like Tortine doesn't publish YA Contemporary, but we're just like, send it to, we got to send this to Miriam. Yeah. I would have never met Dongguan in person if it wasn't with for her. So, but I, I didn't hold out for it. I was like, that would be great. It's never going to happen. Um, and twenty three days later, I was on vacation. I was in Dallas, Texas, and I get a text from him that's like, "Hey, I tried to call you. You didn't answer." I was I was in the mo- I was at a movie. I was at the Alamo Draft House in Dallas watching the Lego Batman movie. It's the greatest <laughs> animated movie of all time. Um, that- oh, wait a minute. Not- we're going to have to talk about that at some point of all time. No, I, let's say of that week. <laughs> of that week. Okay. Of all, of all time, I, it'd probably be either Lilo and Stitch or I don't know. Actually, I really loved Coco. Well, okay. Wait, we can talk about that later. Um, <laughs> um, and it was like, I don't know, like 1030 at night and I get out of this movie theater and I'm playing <laughs> Pokemon, because I'm a fucking nerd. Um, and he was like, hey, so we got an offer. And I was like, oh, oh my wait, God. what? He's like, we got an offer. This is in 23 days. And he was no like, way. it's Miriam. And I was like, oh, my God. What? But it's like, what is contemporary? And he's like, do you have another book? Uh, and I was like, I mean, I, I have an idea, and like a vague outline for a second book. And you know, that, that would have been part of it too. Like just write a quick pitch for a book too. He's like, I'm going to try to sell two books. And Oh my God. We, I had a call with her the next day, uh, in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, cause I was on this little road trip and, and it went, we, yeah, we agreed to it. Like, I think that night, yeah, that afternoon actually. Um, that is such a whirlwind. Oh my goodness. Because especially cause it had taken so long. And then it was like, hi, do you want to have the most ridiculous, like 72 hours of your life? Here you go. (laughs) And it all happened like that. Um, I feel like that's always how it goes with publishing. You're just like waiting and waiting and everything is so slow. And then suddenly it's like warp speed and you can't breathe. And it's like, how did this all happen at once? But wow, that's so... It was very, I mean, you know, at that point we, you know, we'd gotten passes from the majority of the other editors, Um, you know, some of them very good. I mean, the editor who had actually, um, you know, asked for it through, um, you know, E.K. Johnston wrote the sweetest rejection letter I've ever gotten in my life. And I mean, it really boiled down to, I think I'm the wrong person for this. This book is incredible. Yeah. But I think you need the right person. And I really don't think I'm the right person to edit this. And, and like, it was such an honest, like, and flattering response. And I, you know, cause like your relationship with an editor really has to have that match. Um, and I respected yeah, that a lot. Sure. Like that's someone who I would absolutely submit a book to again, because they were like, I, I get what you're trying to do. And I don't think I'm the right person for it. You know? Um, so, you know, when Miriam gave the offer, you know, we notified the other houses, um, you know, but like we didn't go to auction. We just had the one offer and, you know, and, and Dong Wan worked his magic and I got this amazing two book deal with my literal dream editor who I never thought would be able to publish my book after we changed genre. But, you know, like Torch uh, is now publishing young adult contemporary. Um, that's so wild. It's super wild. So I get to, I get to edit, you know, I got to edit my book with like one of my best friends and it's just, it's just 
it's been such an amazing experience since then, you know, and, and it makes all of that hard, hard work and the rejections and getting ghosted, it makes it worth it for me, you know, like, and I'm glad I persevered and I'm glad I didn't, you know, like settle for anything less. Like I, I got to, you know, work with someone who's, who I respect and who has edited just some incredible novels. So, oh, and Miriam's so great too. She's, she's one of the nicest people. I've met her a couple of times and she just seems so fantastic. Every time I meet her, so dynamic. She always has like people like around uh-huh. her, like talking. Cause they like, she's just like captivating. So that's so amazing. And yet obviously the books that she's edited are out of, this, out of world. this world. So like, you know, they really are. Wow. So that is a, that's a wild <laughs> ride. <laughs> it's super ridiculous. It's, and that's the thing. So it doesn't feel real because I waited so long and it's happened so quickly that, you know, all of the beats since then, it was like, you know, the deal went through in like the, like third week of February. I got my edit letter at, while I was at y'all West, um, in oh April, at the end of April. So, you know, it wasn't a long time after the deal went through that the edit letter came through, like, you know, and then <laughs> because me and <laughs> Miriam and I are a, a horrible mess of people. The problem was, is she was like, okay, how quickly can you edit this? And I was like, well, I've never edited a novel through it. You know, like I, this is my first editorial letter. I have no concept of how long this is going to take. I'm a pretty fast writer, editor in general. And she was like, so here's the deal. I'm getting married next month. You're moving to New York. Because at that point, I had, I had already like set in motion so that I could move to New York yeah. at the end of May in a month. So she was like, if you don't get this in soon, it's going to be like pushed. It might be pushed back because I have to get married and go on my honeymoon. And you are moving across the country. You know, um, I, I, I want to be able to like, she was like, I want to edit your book on my honeymoon. And I was like, what? No, 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 no. Please don't do that. But she's like, oh, at least like edit it like as soon as I come back. Like I really want to get line edits in after that. Um, so this is also why this whole thing has been ridiculous. And I'm going to say that this is not a standard that I necessarily hold myself to or expect in the future from Miriam or Tortine. I edited my whole book in four and a half days. Oh, my God. I would wake up at like six in the morning. I would go to this Starbucks in Santa Monica because I had nice ocean breeze and you could be outside and they had plugs and I would work until like 11 at night. And I took one break to go to some programming on a Saturday, the Saturday y'all West stuff. Uh, and then went immediately back to editing. I literally was like, no one, none of my friends, you can't talk to me. I don't exist. Don't ask me to socialize. Um, cause the thing was like, I had to rewrite all of my posts ahead of time for the move for Mark does stuff. And I had to pack an entire apartment. So I was like, I was like, if I don't get this done now, I don't know when it's going to get done. And, you know, thank, thank Scrivener for being as organized as it is. You know, I used the little (laughs) flag icons to denote which chapter needed to be rewritten, which chapter needed to be created from scratch, which was fine. So that had like, you know, a visual representation of how far I got each day. But like, it was fast. It was so fast. (laughs) That, it makes me feel like a slacker. I cannot believe 
that you edited it in four days. So, wow, I'm just, I'm going to have to get one. When we finish this interview, I'm just going to, like, start editing. <laughs> <laughs> start doing my revisions because I have no excuses. Well. That is so I, wild. Wow. And it, I, I think for me, I'll say this. I, I'll, for me, you know, I wanted to write a book and be published since I was a kid, like eight or nine years old. I had been writing oh. my whole life. And once I got this opportunity, I was like, I'm not going to fuck it up. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to yeah. like had this. I'd already had a really intense writing ethic. But I, I, I think, you know, I remember getting that email and she was like, how long do you think this will take? And I was like, you know what, Miriam? We both have really important, like huge life changes that are coming up in our lives. I'm just going to do it. And I, I didn't tell her, a t- I think I said, at the very least, check in with check in with me in a week and I'll see how far I am. Like, yeah. check in every week to see, because I figured, I was like, this is probably going to take me like three weeks because it was a lot. Uh, it was a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. She, you know, I, I, I mean, this is another thing about why I'm so glad I ended up with her. My, when I turned in my manuscript, I think it was 96,000 words. I think the final version is 120. She was like, I want you to... You know, it's clear this used to be part of a trilogy because you left out a lot of character things. She was like, mm-hmm. "Should add in stuff about the neighborhood. I want the mom to have a, a much more prominent part. Show us more of the lives of these friends. Like, make this a book about this kid and his community. And she was like, I want you to flesh out all of this stuff you didn't put in because you thought you had a, a trilogy to just to finish off the story. Um, and so it was like, you know, it was like I planted, a, you know, the seed and she watered it and was like, this is what the direction I wanted to grow. Um, and so I think that was another reason why I was able to edit it as fast as I was, was because she's so good at finding those natural ways to make a story branch off in these fascinating directions. And so uh, the, the, it, was, it didn't feel challenging in a frustrating way. It felt challenging in this really rewarding way. So, you know, that being said, I will never do that again. <laughs> I slept like four and a half hours a night. I was drinking like six cups of coffee a day. I got beyond jittery. I just was that thing where I was like, I'm vibrating on the astral plane. Like I was just. Oh my gosh. And that couldn't have been good for your anxiety either. Cause I know when I drink too much coffee, it's, it sometimes like ramps up my anxiety. It's like not good. So hopefully you weren't like freaking out also while this was all happening. I think I was so excited about this actually happening that it, it just didn't happen. Cause like I was just. Like, and I'm going to get real sappy. I was just so happy that I was having a book published by, like, Tor, like, this legendary publishing house. I've read, like, 800 billion of their books. Like, it it just – so for me, like, this process after I got the deal is the opposite of everything that was happened before. Like, Mm. not only has Tortine treated me really well, but it's this thing of, like, my dream is coming true. So it doesn't feel stressful when they're like, hey, can you – like turn around copy edits in 15 days. I'm like, yes, let's fucking go. <laughs> I can do yeah, it. I no problem. It. And, and <laughs> you know, I'm, I, I think because I've worked so hard on Mark does stuff and self publishing mm-hmm. that I have that kind of work ethic where I'm just like, let's yeah. buckle in. I got to do this. I don't have time to waste. And, and so I've never gone over a dead. Well, knock on wood. I've never gone over a deadline <laughs> yet. Um, I turned in book two a month early. Like I, I, kind of want to keep this is the like trend of my life for now (laughs) now because i don't know how 
how what my life is going to look like in two months. Like I, I can't even conceive of it. Now that we've gotten that story in the can and we know everything that happened, I'm going to give you a choice of two things that you can share with us. So either your most embarrassing moment in publishing okay. or one wi- one thing that you wish you'd n- known before you started that you wish you could tell baby writer Mark. Oh, wow. Um I don't know that I have, I mean, I have like a million embarrassing stories about <laughs> self, but I so far, I don't think I've, oh, wait, no. I once, I once, I once sent an email to a writer at Book Riot and then wrote a typo and called them Buy It Riot. <laughs> and bless, the, bless this author there. They didn't say anything at all. They just let it go. And I was so horrified. I was like, it's not even close. Buy it, right? Who fucking, anyway. Um, but Buy it, right? right. <laughs> so, but the oh, advice man. I'm going to give myself is that uh, writing is not as solitary as you think it's going to be. I think the thing that's been the most surprising and is certainly the most positive thing about this is that there is this amazing community of writers, especially, I mean, and you know, here in New York, it's unbelievable how many writers there are here. And there's such supportive, amazing people. And that when you are working on your book with an agent or with a publishing house, it's such an amazing collaborative effort. And I think that was part of the reason it was so intimidating all of these years is I thought it was just a very lonely thing and that I would have to do all of this stuff by myself and, 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 it's intimidating. Like even, you know, as far back as the querying process and drafting, it's, you do so much of it by yourself. And the cool, the coolest part of publishing is getting to work with other people to, to get a cover design, to figure out marketing stuff, to figure out social media, to, you know, the, the process of being edited, I, I found to be so amazing and, and very different and challenging, but like, you're not in this alone, I think is like, probably the most important thing that I wish I could have told myself at a younger age. I'm glad I figured it out now, but like, I love that. Yeah. You're not alone. Oh, so where can people follow you? What's up next for you? And just tell me all the social media things. So you can find me. I go by Mark does stuff on pretty much every social profile, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I have a, a, a Facebook page, like a, not my personal one, but like a Facebook page for the Mark Does Stuff community. Um, so what's coming up next is, you know, today is like two months exactly until Anger's a Gift comes out. So now like the promo stuff is really starting to ramp up and I'm like, oh my God. Um, so exciting. I have my first, you know, I have like New York Teen Author Fest stuff that's happening, which is my first like author appearance festival stuff. Uh, I get, <laughs> I'm going to be at uh, Texas Library Association in April and... Uh, when in April, because this podcast doesn't launch until April 20th. So oh, you will you, have you, already you, seen me at <laughs> TLA. <laughs> I'm speaking to you from the yes. future. In the future. <laughs> you will have already seen me at all of these. So, um, yeah, so in the future, so what's coming up is, is by the time this airs, uh, tour team is sending me on tour, and it's... I cannot wait to tell everyone what's about to happen. So, like, I'm about to have the most ridiculous month of my life. Uh, Between that and BookCon. And um, I 
have another book coming out with Tortine sometime in 2019. We don't have a release date yet. Um, mm. But the cool thing about writing for Tortine is that I get to switch genres and it's not a big deal. It's not a thing of like, oh, so cool. They, you know, like because they're mostly a speculative fiction thing and I, I, and I got to start with them with contemporary. So my second book um, is currently untitled, but is a secondary fantasy about a, two teenagers who have to traverse a hellish desert landscape in order to find their parents who went north to look for work and they haven't come home. Uh, and it's oh, a wow. thriller horror novel with elements of magical realism that is my response to a lot of the shitty discourse in our country about immigration and, and specifically forced migration and why people are immigrating to other countries. And, you know, I, I it's something that means a lot to me and is, is um, a very, very, very different book from the first one. Um, that sounds amazing. So that sounds so good. I can't wait for that to come out. Oh, we'll, we'll talk. I'll tell you more. Um, so yeah, right. every when people come up to me like, "How are you doing?" I'm like, "Everything is happening all of the time." That is my. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm so happy that it's finally happening. Oh, I'm happy for you because you're an awesome person and you deserve good things. So <laughs> thank you so much, Mark, for doing this. I had so much fun talking to you. Thank you, Clarabelle. I'm so happy to be on this. You're amazing. I'm very flat. <laughs> You're amazing. No. We're we're both amazing. Yes, let's, just, <laughs> let's just yell at each other for another hour. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks again. Thank Bye, you. everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Fright or Die. A big thank you to Marco Shiro for being on the show. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Clarabelle underscore Ortega. See you next week.